what teams are loaded with the most NBA prospects? Find out here while me and my guy Sam Ferris, Mr. Draft Dummies himself, we will break down the teams that have the most NBA talent. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of today. I'm sorry, of the day. But actually, if it's your first listen of today or today, that is also good. And today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. I'm Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. Or my guy, Sam Ferris, Mr. Draft Dummies himself, but he is no dummy. Sam, what's what's good? What's going on in your world? Doing well. I was just watching the uh, the Nets-Blazers game uh, before we started recording. KD's been amazing. Shaden Sharp, though, continues to look way more comfortable than any of us uh, predicted. But I, I was high on Sharp coming in. I did have him as a top six, seven guy in the draft. I know some others were lower, but uh, that's one that I'm feeling pretty confident in that prediction as of right now. Yeah, I'm a Blazers fan, so yep. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, it's just a weird combination of youth and experience on the team. Yeah, You know, with Lillard, you expected it to be like win-now mode, and even though – Nobody would have guessed that they'd be first in the West at, at this point. The team is winning, but you have young guys that are contributing and playing. And so um, I'm, I'm just excited. <laughs> I'm definitely excited about it. And as a Blazers fan, it's just really weird to see a team this athletic. You know, the past few years, Portland has not been athletic. And I remember the days of Enos Cantor and Carmelo Anthony front court and yeah. <laughs> couldn't defend anybody. So... Um, I mean, this is great, you know. I mean, it's it's a surprise, but hey, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. It was just funny. I was thinking because pretty much everybody in the media was kind of out on them in the preseason, and I was thinking like, when everybody's out on someone, I feel like it almost always goes the opposite direction. Like it was kind of the reverse jinx, where I was thinking this is like too perfect. Like everybody's out on them. And then sure enough, they started out really well. And like you said, the mix that they have, everyone was kind of concerned about. But now it looks like they're kind of in the best of both worlds. And Gary Payton, GP2, hasn't even played yet. So we talk about athleticism. They're going to have that. He's just a fantastic athlete to join the guys that they have already. So I think they're pretty for real, at least as like a playoff team in the West. It, It has to be bittersweet for Terry Stotts. I thought Stotts was a good coach. He was fired because they couldn't defend, but he didn't put the team together. Like I don't know a single coach that could come up with some good defensive lineups when you have all the injuries that Portland had. And then you have Carmelo, who was like what 36 at the time, and Enos Cantor. You know, we all know about the can't play him. And if that's your front court. In today's NBA, you know, ball handlers or primary scorers, they're like, all right, which one do I want to choose? Which one do I want to hunt? I can just pick 
pick who I want to hunt. And then Hassan Whiteside, who put up good numbers, but you know Hassan is not leaving the paint at all. So it was just no. it's kind of unfair to Stotts. So I kind of feel for him in a sense. So hopefully he gets a, a he gets another opportunity soon. But speaking of teams with talent, young talent, in your opinion, what? college basketball team has the most NBA talent from top to bottom? Um, I would probably go with Arkansas, number one. But what's interesting there, and this has kind of been a little bit of a theme with college basketball so far, is their best prospect hasn't even played yet. (laughs) So I I like the talent that they have already. Uh, they've got some returning players, Ricky Council, who we've talked about. He's one of my guys in this draft that I've been on for a while. So uh, we talked about him after the first or second game, and he's done nothing but continue to play super well. Uh, so very excited about him. But then Trayvon Brazil is another kind of sophomore big that a lot of people like as a potential late uh, first round guy. But then the freshman, Anthony Black, who we've talked about as well. I've been a little bit lower on and I I could see him potentially being a one and done, but he also might be a guy that ends up coming back for year two, depending on how the rest of his freshman season goes. Jordan Walsh, kind of similar boat. I think he's been a little bit better. He's got more size, athleticism, kind of more of a wing that NBA teams look for. But the guy that I'm still most excited to see is Nick Smith, who I had preseason top five on my board and was disappointed to hear he'd miss some but a ton of talent even without him so coming into the year they were the team I was most excited to see and even without Nick Smith I think they've mostly lived up to that if there was one thing that's disappointing about Arkansas it's their non-conference schedule I looked at it it is cupcake city I don't think they face a, a ranked team unless something happens between now and then until conference play. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're like January. They play, they play Oklahoma in December. But they but lost to than, like Sam Houston State. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, Last they're week. favored by like 10 in every game. I'm looking at their schedule also. Yeah. They play UNC Greensboro, San Jose State, Bradley, UNC Asheville. Uh, and they play Louisville next, who's lost every game so far this season. So, yeah. And so I have an article. It should be out by the time this releases. And um, I broke it down into different players about who's sizzling, who's struggling, and who's surprising. And one of my players that is surprising, for those that don't follow the draft extremely closely, is Trevon Brazil. Um, You know, I guess he kind of jumped into the mainstream media with his highlight, (laughs) crazy highlight dunk a couple days ago. It was tough to not have – I mean, Arkansas had three guys that I could have put in those categories. Um, for Sizzling, I could have put Ricky Council, who's been their best player, and I don't think it's been close as far as, like, uh, production-wise. And then who is struggling, Anthony Black is struggling. Right now, 6.6 rebounds per game, 2.7 assists per game, 2.7 turnovers per game, 33% from the floor, 25% from three. We didn't expect him to be a good shooter, but 35, 25, 66 shooting splits isn't good, and the turnovers and assists are even. He's looked very hesitant to shoot, doesn't look confident in his shot. 
even his passing, which is supposed to be like his strongest asset, some of his passes haven't really been on time and, and, and on the money. He's picked up a couple charges from playing too fast. I know it's only three games, and luckily their schedule gives them plenty of opportunity to, you know, or plenty of opportunities for him to, you know, basically get right before conference play. What have your thoughts been on Anthony Black so far? So the number one thought that I've had is you talked about the shooting splits and it's just not, it's not just that it's not going in. It's just, he's not confident in it. And to me, what I think about is the guys that I think like the easiest way to fail if you're a perimeter guy is pretty simple. It's just, if the jumper never happens for you, I think of like Jarrett, uh, Jarrett Culver and Isaac Okoro and, and kind of recent draft history, two guys that I liked both of them. So I've kind of learned my lesson there that I, I, I just don't want to, there's projection in everything draft related, but if it seems that the jumper is unlikely to come around or if it's that far away, I just, I factor that in more so now than I kind of have in the past. And so that's my main question with him is, is he really a threat at all offensively? I mean, we talked about coming into the year, the passing was enticing at that size, but if nobody respects your shot, then there's no, there's no closeout to attack. They're just kind of leaving you out on the perimeter. And then from there, like we've seen with Okoro for the Cavs, you just lose your confidence. And so that's kind of what I'm worried about with him. Yeah. It's very interesting that, on on social media, you see all of the Killian Hayes is a bust. You see all of those tweets, but you don't yeah. see anything about Okoro. And Okoro's been worse. He's been bad. <laughs> he he's been worse. And it and, and with Okoro, it's like you can't be surprised because all of the signs were there, but it was just more so like if he adds yeah. this with his defense, he's going to be. And yeah, I was. Okoro was interesting. He was a guy that I don't think I was I wasn't a hundred percent sold on. I liked Vassell better in that class. Yep. But it just seemed like I don't know, maybe it's an Auburn thing. Well, once once people start following that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they can they can yeah, really shift the narrative. All right. When we return, we'll talk a little bit more about Arkansas's freshman class. And then of course we gotta touch on Duke's class, who you know, if you had to debate over who had the better class or who had the most NBA talent, I think it would come down to those two teams. Let's talk about Masterclass. And with Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. With over 180 classes from a range from world-class instructors, that thing you always wanted to do is a lot closer than you think. Masterclass is accessible on your phone, your web, or your smart TV and it's offering classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the top of their field. Each class is broken out into individual lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. Members can explore at their own pace, and each class is supported by downloadable materials, class guides, recipes, and more. You can find all the available classes at masterclass.com. So you can learn how to write anything from a book or screenplay to just a letter. Learn how to communicate with your boss or your family. Learn how to make a dinner worthy of a Michelin star or just how to make really good scrambled eggs. Whatever you're interested in, there's a class for you. 
over 180 exclusive classes taught by instructors you know and love. So here are some of the potential instructors. Chris Voss on the art of negotiation. John Legend teaching songwriting. Esther Pearl teaching relational intelligence. Chris Jenner teaching the power of personal branding. Mariah Carey teaching using the voice as an instrument. Gordon Ramsay teaching cooking. There's 11 categories, 180 instructors. So you can find all of this available at masterclass.com. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for making Locked On NBA Big Boy your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today. It is it is available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right. This is Rafael Barlow with Sam Ferris, Mr. Draft Dummies, and we'll, we'll finish up with, with Arkansas. Based off what we've seen today, and we're still a long ways away from the draft, how many guys do you think would get drafted from Arkansas's team? Ooh. Um, I'm still going to say Nick Smith. Even if he doesn't play this whole year, I think you'd probably still go into the draft. Uh, I'm sticking with Ricky Council. He's proven me right so far. And then, so I'll say... I'll say four, which is still aggressive, but I'll, I'll kind of hedge my bet and say one of Anthony Black or Jordan Walsh comes back. But I do think uh, Trayvon Brazil ends up getting drafted, whether it's a late first, second, same with Ricky Council, Nick Smith will go lottery. And then I do think one of Black or Walsh will end up coming back. So on one hand, I think they should. But they I was surprised. Yeah. Maybe that, that's my perspective. They yeah. should. Yeah. And you know, and we've talked about it before. It's it, you know, it's really a, a tough decision nowadays with, with NIL and you know, Arkansas is SEC school. I know they have they have the money. And yeah. you know, if you're going to be a second round pick, I think if you don't have a first round guarantee and you're at a school that has money, it just doesn't make sense really. Unless you just don't want to go to class anymore and you just want to focus on being a pro. But it's uh, I mean, it's going to be an interesting decision. Um, but Black has been disappointing to me. I mean, he he really has. Walsh has. I mean, I think he's been a little bit better, but he hasn't really set the world on fire. I'm just guessing here, and I could be totally wrong. I don't know if the freshmen really expected the transfers to come in and have this big of an impact. And now when Nick Smith is, is in the mix, you have yeah. to figure out that somebody's numbers are going to decline. And if you had to guess or gamble, if you're a betting man, who do you think will have the biggest, who do you think's game will be impacted the most by Nick Smith returning? So I have the numbers up right now. Uh, Anthony Black is playing 70% of the team's minutes. Jordan Walsh only 46%, so less than half the game. And both of them are really low usage, under 17%, so or right at 17%. So neither of them are really even shooting that much right now, to your point. And so I would say Anthony Black is going to see, because Jordan Walsh, he doesn't really use or he doesn't handle the ball that much to me that would more so impact anthony black's role i think which has already been a little bit underwhelming so i think certainly nick smith is going to see a lot more of the ball when he 
uh, comes back from injury. So I think that will likely impact Anthony Black probably more so than Walsh. Or do you think it could be the other way around where Anthony Black, his lack of shooting impacts Nick Smith? Because we saw a little bit in the Gonzaga game. I know totally different situations, but Texas didn't respect Gonzaga's shooters, right? So whenever Drew Timmy wanted to post up, he had a guard basically sitting right in front of them because they didn't respect Hunter Salas and and some of the other wings on, on the team. I mean, Strother's a guy that has a reputation as a shooter. I think he shot the ball well, but it just – their lack of, I guess, point guard play in a sense really kind of impacted their star guy, especially in, in, in college basketball where you can play a zone and there's not really an illegal defense. So, I mean, that's a totally different story there, but do you think that – if if teams don't respect Black as a shooter, because the games that I've seen, they're going way under on his screens. Do you think that can impact Nick Smith as, as a guy? I mean, Nick can score, but he is a guy that, you know, is I think on the highest level, he could be a three-level scorer. But I think he would thrive and look better in the NBA with that type of spacing. So do you think Black's, Black's lack of assertiveness and shooting could impact Nick Smith? Yeah, it definitely could. I mean, that's an issue off the ball. I'd be interested to see how long of a leash Anthony Black would have because Arkansas has so many options on the wing right now, whether it's Makai Mitchell, Jordan Walsh, Kamani Johnson, Jalen Graham. All those guys are between 6'7 and 6'9 and can play on the wing. So they they have a ton of depth. So if he doesn't shoot or play as well, well, and if the floor is too cramped because Ricky Council isn't really a spacer either, he's more of a slasher off the ball, then I think you'd have to play Jordan Walsh a little bit more to balance that out. But that'll be something interesting, certainly, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, they have the they, they have the schedule that will give them some opportunity to figure it out without really impacting their, their wins and losses. But they're, I imagine they're going to have to figure it out and their rotation is going to be a little bit tighter once we get into conference play. All right, next let's talk about Duke. Duke is a team that, you know, if you don't think Arkansas has the best talent, NBA talent, then you probably say it's Duke. Who do you think is Duke's best prospect or is the situation similar to Arkansas? Their best prospect hasn't played a game yet. Yeah. I think most of us would agree. And I would say Derek Whitehead, he, he's kind of the prototypical guy you look for in the NBA with decent size on the wing, whether you want to call him a two or three, but really good shooter, really good pull-up shooter too. So like he, he was a top 10 guy in high school. I mean, lively, depending on where you looked, was the number one like recruit in high school, but I don't think most of us view him as, as like a top five pick in the draft, or at least I don't. What I think though is probably the most interesting conversation around Duke is who is their number two because Filipowski to me is really interesting because he's really good. He's really productive, but how do you see his role translating to the NBA? Because, you know, do you value his skills as a big, do you see him as just a center? That's kind of like a skilled post-up guy, or do you think he's skilled enough that he can play kind of a stretch for role and develop that game, whether you want to say the comp is like a Kevin Love or a Lowry Markinen. Do you think he has that skill set and versatility, or do you really worry about his NBA translation as kind of a modern big? 
going to be interesting. It's it's going to be interesting to see once everyone is healthy, what starting lineup do they roll with? Do you play Mark Mitchell at the three? I think he's more of a four. Yeah. Even though the shot is, I mean, it's, it's going in. I'm still not a believer in the shot. It's kind of funky looking in, in a sense. It's like a, a flat push shot. Um, I mean, Duke has been limited in years past because they've had like the best talent, but not enough floor spacers. <laughs> so I think uh, even though Filipowski can shoot and, and Lively is a capable shooter, you know, I, I just think like you have two guys that, in my opinion, are natural fives, yeah. and um, and Mark Mitchell's a four, in my opinion. So it's going to be, I'm, I'm just curious to see how the lineup works once everyone is is healthy. What have your thoughts been on Lively so far? Small sample size. I think he, I mean, I think he didn't play. I think maybe what, 14 minutes or something like that in one of the games. In the the game against Kansas, he only had two points or I'm sorry two baskets both were tip dunks do you think how much of it do you put into him just kind of being a little bit rusty coming off the calf injury yeah you have to factor that in certainly I mean he's blocked some shots he's had some dunks when he's able to get up on the rim and finish it looks really nice because he is that kind of physical specimen at like seven foot one pretty bouncy and he's blocking shots right now, so it looks good, but he just hasn't played enough that I'm going to read too much into it yet. And the question mainly with him for me is, is he, because he has the physical tools, but how physical is he really? Like, does he want to bang with those guys or is he more of a finesse guy? That's kind of what I'm interested to see with him as the year uh, goes along and, and, in college basketball, we're going to see that because the paint's clogged. How physical is he willing to be? Does he play through contact? How functional is that athleticism in like a half-court game? Because we haven't seen a ton of it yet. And then does he kind of extend the shooting range and show a little bit of that as well? Those are the two main things that I'll be watching with him. If I were a betting man, I'd, I'd bet that he is a guy that would settle for more jumpers because yeah. he is just not naturally physical. Yep. You know, it's kind of, I, I talked about it a little bit yesterday on the show. Um, some of the things that I said about Wiseman a couple of years ago, I could say about lively in a sense to where um, if, if there's an opportunity to bang in the post or settle for a jumper, I think he would lean more towards settling for a jumper. And it, it's, it's, I mean, I guess you can. I mean, Wiseman's in a weird situation, and uh, but I, I think like when you're evaluating big men, it's almost like, all right, do you if you have this guy that doesn't shoot the ball, but he has a great motor and and knows exactly who he is, is that better than a guy that is multi-skilled, but you know he's still trying to figure out what is his 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 best role? And I think that's the issue with Wiseman in a sense. And I think it could be something that we could see with Lively. But, I mean, it's very, very early, small sample size. But just based off of what I saw on his high school film, I didn't see a guy that was like this aggressive, natural banger that had this this great motor. All right, when we return, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the prospects on Duke's roster. And then we'll try to figure out what team is third when it comes to having NBA prospects for this 2023, maybe even 2024 draft. 
But I want to talk to you about BetOnline because BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all of the latest odds, trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They have it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you love BetOnline, and you'll find those at BetOnline as well. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the, head to the website today. And use your mobile device to learn more. And that's because Bet Online, it is where the game starts. Again, it's Rafael Barlow, Sam Ferris. We're talking about the teams that have the most NBA talent. And it could be a combination of, of 2023 and 24 NBA draft. We talked a little bit about Duke. And I want to finish up with Duke. And you mentioned Derek Whitehead is their their best NBA prospect. Now let me know your thoughts on this. I had a I received a message from a scout that believed that Derek Whitehead has a lot of similarities to Benedict Matherin. And mm. he felt that Matherin's success or his path is going to be similar to Whitehead's, although he doesn't think that Whitehead will do two years in the school. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think Whitehead will end up being a one and done guy, but in terms of the comp to Matherin. It's interesting. I think that Whitehead was probably ahead of him at the same point. I mean, obviously, Whitehead was a really heralded recruit. But in terms of their game, the pull-up jumper is what sticks out to me for both guys. Matherin loves kind of the hezzy pull-up from three. That's been like his go-to shot in the NBA so far and was at Arizona. Whitehead has that similar game, whether it's the two, three dribble pull up at the long two or the three point pull up. Both of them can hit that. And both of them don't lack for confidence when they get hot, they can hit a couple in a row. So, and then their physical profiles are similar. Obviously Matherin's older Matherin to me is like a little stronger right now, but that could just be an age thing in terms of the difference there. Like if it were me, I think Matherin is a little bit better of a functional athlete. I do think one of my concerns with Whitehead is I think that he is a little bit stiff. Um, he's not, he's a little bit overrated as a functional athlete in terms of changing direction and exploding through contact. So that's what I was kind of, that's what I'm excited to see from him, how he looks from a functional athleticism perspective against ACC athletes. But I certainly see the comp there. Uh, as like a player type, definitely makes sense to me. Yes, and I'm gonna read the I'm gonna read some of the quote without giving away too much. He says Derek Whitehead is a less athletic but more skilled version of Benedict Matherin. Okay. He says uh, he says Whitehead is one or two more. Or he says one or two of the guys that he thinks are a little bit undervalued early at this stage in the cycle. Do you think he's undervalued? I mean, I, I've seen him as a top. I mean, I've seen him as a top ten pick on almost every big board or, or mock draft. And I mean, according to this particular scout, he thinks you know he's if he's outside of your top five, he's undervalued. Yeah, it's hard for me to say that he's undervalued because we haven't been college yet, and most everyone has him top ten. I have him top ten, but. Towards the back, I'd have him probably between 8 and 10 right now. But again, circling back to the conversation we had earlier, 
I feel safer about him because I know I've seen the production in high school and I know I can buy the jumper with him. And so those are two things that make me feel safer, but I, I do need to get a look at him in the ACC in college basketball this year. So hopefully he gets back on the floor here pretty soon. Yep. Hopefully soon. It's weird, man. I mean, we're starting off college basketball with so many guys injured. You can make a case and say three of the top freshmen have not played a game yet. From yep. Nick Smith to Cam Whitmore to Derek Whitehead. I think for a lot of people, those are their top three freshmen. All right, let's talk about the team that you think would be third as far as NBA talent. If you had to pick a team with their roster, which team has the most NBA talent outside of Duke and Arkansas? Yeah, you and I threw a, a few different teams out when we were discussing this. I I went Houston, but you could argue for a ton of different teams. I like Jarris Walker as a lottery pick this year. I like Terrence Arsenault as an NBA player. He might be a two-year guy though, but six foot five, really good defensive player. I think Houston's recruiting class this year was probably the most underrated and it looks really good right now. And that team just has a ton of depth overall. So we talked about Sasser either last week or two weeks ago. I think he's a guy that's gonna get drafted late first, early second this coming year. And then that team just has so much depth. There's probably one other guy that we're not thinking of right now that ends up getting drafted at some point. But And so I, I'd say they have three to four NBA guys on their team. But you could say that about a few other teams, including I think you mentioned Creighton is another interesting one. So Creighton is, man, I think Kaluma would be the guy that has the highest the best opportunity to be a first round pick, but you mentioned you're not too high on him. Is there a reason why? Is it the shooting? Do you feel like that's just not going to translate or do you just think that he has a a game that is kind of too tweener-ish? So I, I guess it depends how high we're talking about because I know a lot of people had him as like a borderline lottery pick coming into the year. I had him as like my seventh best returning player. So I view him as like a late first round pick. So if we're talking late first, that's totally fine. Like he has the physical tools. Um, and so I, I like that on the wing, but I just don't know what I can count on him from like a production and stat, you know, based projection with him. I just don't know what he does that well, because last year you look at the numbers, he had a few like good games where he looked good, but overall, High turnovers, low production defensively, low efficiency, bad shooting. And so, like, I think he is a good to very good athlete at six foot seven, but I think he is a below average field player. And I also think he is not a very good shooter. And so, that's just a difficult, like, combination to overcome. Now I'm willing to buy into the tools at six foot seven. I expect an improvement in year two. I, I just can't get there with like the lottery talk with him yet. And and he's had a pretty rough start to the year efficiency wise again this year. All right. So you said something that caught my attention. So you say you have him as like your seventh best returning prospect, mm -hmm. but late first round. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm banking on a lot no. of freshmen, but. I'm trying to think who are, and I'm not debating what you're saying. I'm just thinking of like, who are the six 
returning guys that you would have ahead of him? I, I would say Terquavion probably one. Yeah. You got Ricky yeah. Council ahead of him? Yeah, Terquavion Smith, Deron Holmes, Ricky Council, um, and then Brazil. Uh, no, I had no, I had Murray, um, Chris Murray. Uh, oh, and Sasser, probably Sasser. And, yeah, Sasser is in that group too. Oh, and then Maxwell Lewis is a guy that I really, really like. I had him top five coming into the year as well. So those were those were my five. Um, guys that I had above him and then I had a group after that let's see I just pulled up my tweet so Terquavion Smith Deron Holmes Ricky Council Maxwell Lewis and then I had Harrison Ingram so I would bump him down that list now and then the next two after that I had were Kaluma and Chris Murray so I'd bump Harrison Ingram out I feel really good about the other four guys in that list and then Kaluma's in the mix with Chris Murray for like six seven but yeah I I was kind of, this kind of happens every year where we view all these freshmen so highly. We know a lot of them are going to disappoint, but we don't really know which ones before the year. And so now we're starting to figure that out. Um, yeah. That, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And then there's the freshmen that were outside of the top 50 or outside, you know, like your your Blake Wesley's, your Malachi Branham's. You have those guys that are going to come out of, Nowhere in a sense. I have Bryce Sensenball as one of the guys that I think is going to end up being a first-round pick, even though he's yeah. only playing like 17 minutes a game. Just think Jet that, Howard potentially could be yeah, one of those guys. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm. I'm I want to see which of the highly touted freshmen ends up falling out. This is just based off history. It's, it's literally impossible for all the guys that we have in our preseason boards to live up to the hype and expectations. What are your thoughts on Creighton's other players on, on their team? Trey Alexander, you got Kalkenbrenner, you got Baylor Shireman, and you have Ryan Nimhart. Do you think so, any of those guys are, are NBA players? In terms of NBA projection, I'd have Shireman too. Just decent size on the wing and can shoot it. Has skill level. I view him probably as a second round pick. I, I really like Kalkbrenner as a college player. I think he's was underrated just as a college player coming into the year. And he's been fantastic so far this year. Uh, I think you tweeted that he had made, I don't remember how many shots in a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's shooting right now uh, around the, on, no, on two point shots. He is 23 of 28 right now. Already has 11 dunks and the team just, uh, they just wreck when he's on the floor. He's been super, super f effective so far. So I like him a lot as a college player. I just don't know, like, those centers that can't really switch and aren't that versatile don't have a ton of value. If he's good enough, though, could potentially be a second-round pick. Uh, so I'd go Shireman as the second-best guy after Kaluma, and then I could be persuaded between Trey Alexander and Kalkbrenner after that. <laughs> What about Nimhart? I, I had a scout tell me he really likes Nimhart. He thinks he's similar to his brother. And yeah. His brother's playing 20 minutes a game for the Pacers right now. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I just have a blind spot for Nimhart family because I I did not like that pick. I thought Nimhart was overrated, didn't think he was an NBA player. So I'm from Spokane, actually, so I, 
I watched a lot of Gonzaga basketball. I was not convinced that he would make it as an NBA player and play well enough against high-level athletes in competition. He's proven me wrong so far, so his brother might do that. Now, his brother's much smaller than him, um, and that's kind of one of the main hang-ups, but a fantastic passer, certainly, and can shoot it as well. So, I don't know, do you see him as a potential draft guy this year, or are you thinking like maybe three, four-year guy and then kind of just becomes a really good player and ends up getting drafted after three or four years? Yeah, I think it's down the line. I yeah. definitely think it's, it's down the line. And I think, you know, you can say that Gonzaga missed Chet in his defense, but I, I feel like their lack of like a – a true point guard, someone that can set the table and, and just make good passes. I mean, we saw they couldn't get they couldn't get the ball to Timmy. Period. Um, yeah. Just showed that you know um, a- Andrew's value, and, and so um, you know, we'll, I think eventually Ryan Ryan will make it. Well, thanks, man. That wraps up this episode. We are running out of time, so thank you, the listener, for making this NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I am Rafael Barlow. He is Sam Ferris from the Draft Dummies, and we are out.